Mark chapter 10. Thank you. Mark chapter 10, verses 32 to 52. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were afraid. And taking the twelve again, he began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left hand, in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever will be great among you must first be your servant, and whoever will be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not, came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great cloud, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered on his sight, his sight and followed him on the way. Amen. Thank you very much, Temi. Uh, for those who don't know, um, Temi is my wife, and um, his husband is standing right here on the pulpit. So yeah, thank you very much. Good morning, everyone, and um, good morning to those who are watching online. Um, I must say it's a privilege to be standing right here before the people of God. Um, to be sharing the word of God. Um, firstly, I want to say thank you to the 
headership of the church um, for giving me this opportunity. I'm not taking it lightly at all. So thank you very much. It is my prayer that God will continue to strengthen you all and empower you in the name of Jesus. All right. Um, when I was told that, you know, would I like to speak? I was like, okay. Uh, but yes, I accepted that because I thought I'd be able to hide behind this Zoom video, right? <laughs> that I won't, I won't have to stand right in front of people like this. But unfortunately for me, the church got reopened. And when it comes to my turn, I have to, you know, do this now. So there's nowhere to hide. So I'm facing you all now, <laughs> right? Hallelujah. Okay, let's say a short prayer and um, we're going to go into it. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this great privilege that you've given to each one of us, you know, that we can be called your children and you our father. We pray that at the entrance of your word this morning, we give us light and understanding. And we pray that at the end, we shall have the cause to return all the glory back unto you. For in Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. So this morning, um, we'll be doing what the theologians, you know, called hermeneutics. A bit of it, not, we're not going to be digging deep. Um, basically, that means um, the interpretation and application of the scripture. But we're not going to go deeper. That's why I said a little bit, okay? So that's what we'll be doing this morning. Uh, that was a long passage, but quite interesting. All right. Uh, from the topic, right, we can see supremacy of service. And um, this is a series that we started some months ago, uh, Follow the Servant. So that's what we'll be talking about now. All right, if we go to the, there's a picture, right? After the passage, right? The picture on the left, um, if I ask anybody, does anyone know what that is? Yeah, right. Everyone knows, of course, right? And apologies to those who are not um, the royal family fan, okay? Let me tell them my apology in advance, right? right? So that, that actually represents supremacy, right? And um, that's the Queen of England. She is the head of state of the United Kingdom. And now, of course, she's also um, the monarch, you know, the queen, just like we know. And it, she represents sovereignty, you know, superiority. You know, that's who she represents, right? But she does her duties as well. She's got some royal duties that she performs, right? And right next to that other picture, and that's, we can say that picture depicts what we call service. And um, that's an image of Jesus Christ washing the feet of his disciples. Supremacy or service. And probably if I have to ask another question, that if you have to pick between, between these two pictures, which one will you choose? I'm sure some may go for the supremacy, you know, they want to be dressed in the royal apparel, just like the queen is in that picture, with a crown of gold, diamond, sapphire on their head so that they can know that, yes, they are the one in charge. Yes, it is me. I'm on the throne. I'm in charge. I'm in control. Probably not for some people. They would rather be seen or be you know, associated with the other picture which is Jesus Christ, you know, watching the feet of his disciple, which represents service, basically. All right. And the next picture, 
again, you can see the members of the royal family. I'm not really a royal family fan, right? But I believe the picture depicts what we're talking about. So the red ring, right? I'm going to tell us a bit who that person is. Um, can anybody guess? All right. So my little daughter, Deborah. That's not Deborah, by the way. <laughs> Deborah said to me just some weeks ago, said, Daddy, I want to be a princess. I was like, wow, that's interesting. And I said to her, you're already a princess. You're a heavenly made princess. And I quoted um, second, first Peter chapter 2, verse 9, that you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar person. That's what God made you, right? So your superiority, your sovereignty is far beyond the one you know, created by the people of this world. Oh, and I guess you said, I want to be like Princess Charlotte. That's Princess Charlotte, by the way. Uh, is the daughter of Prince William, and that's Kate. Kate Middleton, a mother. Sorry, I knew a bit about you know, real family because I used to live in the United Kingdom, right? And she specifically mentioned Princess Charlotte. I was like, okay, Princess Charlotte. I said, Deborah, I understand. But just like I said, your reality is not of this head. It's of the heaven, right? But for these people, right, we can see them. They also play their role. They support the queen, you know, to discharge her duties, right? But the thing is, the freedom that some people like us, like me, maybe yeah, ordinary people, the freedom we have, the freedom we enjoy, you know, probably they are not enjoying it. So this comes with a cost. I'm sure that little girl, the school she attends will be given extra security, extra protection, because there's a princess in that very school. I told Ebra, just like you know, she goes across to the next door neighbor to go and play with the other kids there, these kids don't have that privilege. They can't just go to their next door neighbor to say, yeah, I want to go and play there. No. So it comes with a cost. You know, if you want to right, be in that position, position of supremacy. Hallelujah. So um, this morning, I will be you know, giving a bit of background about the def of what we're talking about. We'll look into the definition in a bit, the literal meaning of what supremacy and service means. Then we'll look into the scripture. Uh, the scripture is actually in three parts. So we'll look at the first three parts, then um, we're going to see how we can apply it into our lives, then we'll conclude. So that's what the outline is going to be for this morning. Okay, definition. What does it actually mean when we say supremacy? The state or condition of being superior, you can see I, I put keywords in bold. To all others in authority, power or status, the highest authority or greatest power. That's what supremacy simply means. You are superior than other people. Even for, for people who, are, who have power, you are still superior or, you know, more than them. Service, the action of helping or doing works for someone. So the key words for me there, helping and doing work for others, not for yourself. So that's what service is all about. That summarizes what service is all about. So during the course of the message, let us 
words you know, that are in bold, let them keep ringing in your heart and let the Holy Spirit minister to you. So let's look at the, the first part of the scripture that Tammy read. So I've um, tagged it, the way of suffering, the way of hope. The way of suffering, the way of hope. All right. We can move on to the next slide now, please. In that passage, the first three passage, the first three verses, rather, we could see that in that passage, Jesus predicts you know, his suffering and his death. And um, he was also confident that his death would be followed by a resurrection. So um, I will quickly talk about some words that are in bold there as well before we move on to the next phase. Right. So this is actually the third time that Jesus predicted his death. Uh, he first did in, it was first recorded in Mark chapter 8 from 31 to 33. And the second time was um, Mark chapter 9, verse 30 to 32. The first time he predicts his death, Peter actually did what? He took him aside and he rebuked him. He was trying to talk him out of it. So it was obvious that they didn't quite understand you know, what Christ was talking about, right? Let's say the first, um, the first highlight. So they were on the road going to Jerusalem, road to Jerusalem. In many ways, Mark portrays Jerusalem as a symbol of opposition for Jesus. Jesus knew that that's where his life would be taken. And guess what? He went ahead. Facing opposition. He went ahead to face the suffering. He didn't back that. He didn't back that. He didn't back out. It is a place where the scribes, the Pharisees, will come to test and try him. Now, as Jesus moves toward Jerusalem, he's moving toward a place where he knows he will suffer and die. And what did he do? The Bible says, Jesus was walking ahead of, the, of them. He took the lead. Somebody who knows that, yes, I'm going to where I'll be killed. He took the lead. He didn't stay behind. He wasn't timid. He wasn't afraid. He took the lead. He made it clear that his life would not be taken from him. He would lay it down. He already said it. So I believe that's why he had the courage to even go ahead of those who are following him. Jesus' commitment to the cross seems to be illustrated in his knowing and willing walk towards Jerusalem. And they were amazed. Those who followed were afraid. Interesting. That's the response of some followers of Jesus Christ. Why? 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 If you want to ask, why were they amazed? Why were they afraid? It's likely they are amazed by the courage and resolve of Jesus, while at the same time being afraid of what he will face. And by that extension, what they may face as his followers as well, maybe. Right. Again, that's why I said earlier on that they didn't quite understand, you know, the 
the prediction of Jesus at the beginning when he first said it. Um, and I was surprised by what Dan said this morning. It's exactly what I put in the star. I was like, oh, Dan, I didn't manage to see my notes. <laughs> All right. We could see in that passage that Jesus Christ actually said, right, that in the last verse, and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him, and after three days he will rise. He was so confident that, yes, he's going to rise again. And he did all this. He suffered. He died. All because of what? So that we can have salvation, so that we can have hope. That's why I tagged it, the way of suffering is the way of hope. For us to have eternal life. For us to have life here on earth and even beyond here. What a service. What a life of service. His death will, have, will accomplish salvation and forgiveness for all who will believe. That's the essence. The writer of Hebrews says that he endured the cross for the joy set before him. He knew that he's going to be glorified in the hand. So he endured the cross for our sake, for your sake, for my sake, so that I can have eternal life, so that I can have life, life abundantly. That's what service is all about, laying down his life for us. Let's move on to the next part of the passage. And that's servant leadership. That's what I tagged it. If you look at what um, James and John did, it could sound selfish. Actually, the way Matthew recorded this was different. Matthew said, um, James, their mother actually went to Jesus. That's what Matthew said. But the point is, a request was made that James and John should be right on the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would, why would they make such requests? It could be they thought Christ's kingdom is going to be an earthly kingdom, and so they wanted to be right next to Jesus Christ on his throne when he's in charge, when he's ruling, which is sort of, you know, quite selfish. And they want to be seen as, yes, we are with the Lord Jesus Christ, the master, the supreme one. That's what probably what they wanted, so that's why they made that request. And the other, the other disciples, they got offended by that request. But we're going to see what Jesus Christ actually said. Um, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to, you know, taking high position, even most businesses, organizations, and institutions, they measure great greatness by high personal achievement. That's it's no brainer, you know, when when we are measuring leadership in in the secular world. That's the way to measure it. But in Christ's kingdom, it's completely different. It's different. Can we go to the next slide, please? It is different. 
Service is the way to get on in Christ's kingdom. The desire to be on top will hinder and not help. Rather than seeking to have your needs met, you know, you need to look for ways that you can minister to the needs of others. That's what service is all about, right? In that passage, yeah, I've already mentioned that James and John wanted high positions. They wanted highest positions, right? But we could see the way Jesus Christ responded, there was a shift, paradigm shift. So, okay, if you want to lead, if you really want to be great, you need to first become what? A servant. That's what we saw in that passage. And if you want to be first, all you need to do is to be slave to all. To an ordinary man, that doesn't make sense. Right? It doesn't make sense. But that's the way it should be. If brilliant really want to, to serve, if brilliant really want to be great, that's where greatness is, is in our service. It's not in our position, it's not in our title. And I'm so great, grateful to God for this church. You know, when the first time I came in there, I looked around and I wasn't able to pinpoint that this is the person in charge, which is quite unusual for me, from my experience. I'm not saying there's, I'm not trying to condemn, you know, what I'm used to or what I'm familiar with when it comes to Pentecostal church, right? It, easily you can identify, oh, who is in charge, easily, by where they are sitting, probably, or even when they come on stage, you can easily tell, okay, this is the man in charge, but that's actually not the case here, and that really, you know, really touched my heart, you know, the equality, the, I could see that, yes, it's all about service, it's all about leading, and that's what Christ is saying there. You pursue servanthood for greatness. If you want to be great, you need to serve. And um, you will never reach full, a fullest leadership potential on a different path than a servanthood. And we could see that in the life of Jesus Christ as well. That's exactly what he did. He laid a good example. For us. And interestingly, he told the, the, the two disciples, James and John, that if really they want to be where he wants, he is, he said what? They need to, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism which I'm baptized, you will be baptized. And um, they didn't quite understand what he was saying, too. But down the line, James died as a matter, they actually drank his, the cup he drank. And John was forced to live in, in the exile. They, they, they lived a life of sacrifice as well, sacrificial life. They served others, all for the sake of the gospel. That's what they did. Now let's go to the, the third part of the scripture. And then we're going to wrap up. Again, I tag that, follow him on the way. And I actually saw that from the last passage, you know, where Jesus said to him, to the blind Bartimaeus, that go your way, your faith made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. 
You know, it's all about the way. Jesus Christ is the way, is the life, is the truth. And um, that, I believe that's where um, the series also come from, the title, which is Follow the Servant. Because he is the only way. He has gone ahead of us. And he's asking us to follow him. All right. Again, the way, Mark, the way Matthew recorded this event, it was a bit different. Matthew said um, there are actually two blind men. But Mark said there's a, a blind man called Bartimaeus. Probably because he was the more, more vocal one than the other one. That Matthew, Matthew didn't mention any names anyway. He just said um, there are two blind men. But the thing is, this Bartimaeus, he stood out. Because what? He cried out. He said, son, Jesus, son of David. You can go to the next slide, please. Jesus, son of David. So he recognized and acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah. Son of David, basically, you know, that was the prediction that the Messiah is going to come from the lineage of David. And that's what actually happened. Jesus Christ came from the lineage of, of David. So that's why he's known as, or he's called son of David. So blind Bartimaeus named him as the Messiah. And of course, people tried to shut him up. They tried to shut him down, probably because um, Jewish people also, they believed that illness and disability were a punishment from God because of, you know, sin committed by, by that person. So that's why they're trying to shut him up. But this guy did what? He kept shouting for mercy. Their opinion didn't matter to him. So, and that's why, it's very, that's why it's very important that, you know, we shouldn't live our life by other people's opinion. Whatever opinion they have about us, it doesn't really matter. It is what Christ says about it that matters. It is what the scripture says about us that's, that's what really matters. So faith, again, is very key, and that's what this man displayed in the scripture as well, because he had faith in Jesus to heal him. So that's why he kept on shouting, crying for mercy, and eventually he got his healing. And what did he do next? Yeah, he followed Jesus on the way. And that's what we are encouraging us also to do this morning, to follow Jesus all the way, on the way, till he comes back to take us home. Then what does this mean to us? I know the call to follow Jesus is a high call. And it's very costly, just like Robert told us last week. We need to pay a price for it. It's not, you know, it doesn't come without doing nothing. No, it comes with a price, with a cost. It's a call to serve him and others. And it's a call to love him and others more than ourselves, which is usually very difficult for us to do. 
That's the way we can serve. And it's a call to lay aside anything that will keep us from following him. We read it again. Thanks to you, Dan. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And it's a call to suffering and service. Suffering and sacrifice. Just like our master did. He laid down his own life. He suffered for our own sake. He sacrificed his life so that we can live again. So there is what I call three T's of service. If, you know, before somebody asks me that question, probably after the service, that, okay, how do we serve? How can I serve? Right? So we can serve you know, by those three things I put on there. Those are the ways that I believe we can serve. Even maybe probably beyond those three ways, right? But we can, we can, we can serve by our right time by using our talent as well and by using our treasure. When I say treasure, I mean by using our money to propagate the kingdom of God. You know, even running this building is not free. I believe everybody agrees. When it comes to the work of God, you know, we need money to reach out to, to souls out there. You know, by supporting charity organizations, by supporting some mission, mission works. You know, that's how we can help. Even by making yourself available, that's your time. You know, going out there, reaching out to people, the unchurched, the, un the unsaved, and even serving in God's kingdom, in, in God's, you know, in, in a church like this. Whatever your talent is, whatever you are good at, you know, don't keep it to yourself. Use it for the work of God, to glorify God. That's how we can serve. There are numerous ways, but these are a few ones that are highlighted. Let's remember what, again, Paul said in the book of 2 Timothy, before I wrap up, chapter 4 from verse 7 to 8. He said, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. So there is a reward for my service. It was also mentioned last week, you know, the last passage that um, Robert talked on. That's a Mark again, Mark chapter 10 from verse, verse 29. It says, Jesus said truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last. And the last will be first. Conclusion. Let's remember we are servants following a servant. And that's an excerpt that I got from 
a daily devotion, I'm going to read it out. He will not ask us to go somewhere he has not already been. And he will not abandon us to go anywhere difficult without him. Indeed, the whole of the Christian life, promise and hope, might be summed up by saying that wherever we may be, Jesus has already been. And where he is now, we will someday be. They've read um, Hebrews again, chapter 4, this morning. For we have not an high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He was tempted in all ways, just like we were, but yet without sin. So he has gone far ahead of us. He's not asking us to do what he didn't do. So let's be rest assured that he's going to be with us on this journey. All we need to do is just trust and obey. Trust and obey. Follow him all the way. And let's remember, true greatness comes from serving others. That's where true greatness comes from. It's not us dressing the royal apparel just like the picture we saw, the picture of queen. Again, let's remember the, the definition of service. It's all about helping. It's all about doing work for others. And that takes me to my final slide, which um, is a challenge that I want to set every one of us. And it shouldn't be a one-off challenge. It should be something that we do regularly. It's called um, Secret Servanthood Challenge. So basically, what does that mean? I hope, um, I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> it's, for us to do something for someone without them knowing, that's why we call it Secret Servanthood Challenge. There are a few exam examples there, but we can add more to it. Can clean the dishes if you don't usually do them, you know, even before you are asked, right? Take out the garbage, probably for your neighbors, without them knowing. This is something I do. I'm not saying it just to, uh, or because I do it, yeah. My downstairs, my downstairs neighbor, you know, anytime I'm picking up my, my garbage, you know, I usually help them to pick theirs and put it in, in the right position. You could pray for someone about their goals, if you know their goals or if you know what their problem is. I know we do that a lot, yeah, but let's keep doing it without even telling them. So you can hide onto the list, but it's a challenge. Secret servanthood. I hope somebody is blessed by today's message. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this great opportunity to be in your presence today, to learn at your feet, to hear the word for this moment. We are so grateful. Daddy, we pray that the word that you've dropped into our heart this morning is going to have a place in our heart. It's going to germinate. It's going to grow. 
and it's going to yield multiple returns. We pray that the grace to be the doer of the word, to act on the word we've heard, we receive that grace this morning. And for anybody that may be struggling to do according to what your word is saying, we pray, King of Glory, for strength. We, we exchange our, our weakness for your strength this morning, and we pray for your help from above to serve you with everything we have, with our time, with our talent, with our money, to help others, even without them knowing. Father, please help us. For this we pray for in Jesus' name. Amen.